0: Welcome to the Imposture to Unstoppable podcast, where physicians can learn how to overcome imposter syndrome and create the career of their dreams. Dr. Karen Kaufman is a double board certified physician in allergy immunology and internal medicine. She has been repeatedly recognized as the top top doctor in the greater Washington, D.C. area. She recently opened her new practice Kaufman Allergy Asthma and Immunology, where she provides highest quality of care to children and adults. She's a great listener, compassionate problem solver who helps patients get, get the answers they need and feel well again like they deserve. Karen, thanks for
1: being with me today. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for having me. This is a great opportunity. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, so glad you're here. So where does your journey with imposter syndrome start?
1: Well, you know, it's a good question. I think probably, you know, my first time out of, um, well, I guess a couple places. So my first time out of residency was probably the first time that I felt like imposter syndrome really set in, right? So you're used to kind of doing your thing and seeing your patients all day. And then there was always someone to check out with. Like, it was kind of like, you know. It was the mom, right? It was either mm-hmm. your resident or your fellow or your staff or whoever, and there was always somebody to call and check out. So my first time as an attending, um, I really started to feel a little bit of imposter syndrome because I felt like, you know, how does it end with me? You know, who am I supposed to check out with? And and how am I all of a sudden this expert? So I think you know, being right out of training is is an easy place to start to feel that for the first time it's really you know question all of that knowledge that you spent years and years and so many hours to to gather and to learn and to become an expert in so
0: yeah that was where really I mean I had a I've been an imposter my whole life but that's where it really came to a head for me was that the transition from resident to attending where I felt the same way I was like okay like yesterday I had to check out (laughs) today it's totally fine (laughs) and it's they really can get into your head especially if you have that kind of lingering self-doubt that never is, gets corrected. Sure. So what helped you to kind of get through that phase in your career?
1: I think for me that, the, you know, when I was an attending, I was a new attending in the military. And so there were other military doctors that were coming out of training after me. And, and so having somebody else be the new person to show up and then to try and check out with me. And I was like, look, you just go home when you're done, you know, and then I was like, okay, I got this. Like I've done this before. And now I can kind of pass on that wiz- wisdom to somebody else who's now starting to feel the same way that I felt when I first showed up. So, you know, I felt like a year in, I I was settling in a little bit for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I like that. It's like you bring, it brings in you the perspective when there's someone else that comes in and you're like, wow, I really." learned a lot. So I think there's a lot to be said for being able to look back and see how far you've come.
1: For sure. I think the next time I felt it, though, to be honest, was um, when I went to fellowship and that, you know, I'm an allergist immunologist. And so I take care of children and adults. And Mm so, you know, as an internist, I was practicing internal medicine for a couple of years before I went to fellowship. And when I was there, it was really the first time I had to take care of children. And so that was a tricky thing for me as well. I really I didn't know anything about kids, right? I didn't have any pediatrics background. I didn't have kids of my own yet. I mean, I I felt like I knew how to talk to puppies. And so I was like, Okay, you know, I would talk to start to talk to kids like I talk to puppies. But, you know, also I think it kinda helps you to start to gain new comfort in taking care of different conditions and different patients and, you know, dealing with parents for the first time so it was a steep learning curve for sure mm-hmm. um, and and that wasn't something that was in my in my comfort zone yet but you know it takes time to, to ease into it so for sure I definitely had that you know imposter syndrome continued on a little bit
0: yeah and i think for many of us whenever there's any transition or we're learning something new it's it's tempting to feel like well now i don't know anything again instead of using the experience you already have and then realizing that like you can learn anything new and we continue to learn something new so it's i think it's really helpful for us to continue to learn new things as physicians in and outside of medicine
1: for sure and also i think you know now you know so many years later you know i still find myself in a situation where you know there aren't a lot of other you know specialists in my in my field who are managing certain conditions and and there's a need for that and it's like okay well you know we are all capable of learning things just like you said so you know it gives you an opportunity to step up and say okay you know i'm going to i'm going to learn as much as i can and i will become the expert that my area needs you know in this you know disease process or whatever it is to be able to you know aid you know patients who really have a gap in their care and who really need somebody to manage certain things. So, you know, I think that having come through imposter syndrome, it helps you to learn, you know, there is an opportunity to step up and to step into a role of of new learning.
0: Yeah. And that mindset has been integral, I think for so many in, in overcoming self-doubt is the the mindset of service and realizing like sure. it's not about us all the time. And, people don't care if we're like what our scores were or if we graduated number one, they just care that we like listen to them.
1: Absolutely. you know, Most important thing. Most important thing is for patients to feel like, like their story is heard, but Mm -hmm. also, you know, to be able to take that next step, like to, you know, to hear what they have to say and to understand what their problems are, but then to say, okay, well, here's how, you know, here's how we're going to work through this and here's how I'm going to help you. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of value there.
0: Yeah, definitely. And then you did, when did you create or um build your private practice? When when in your career did that happen?
1: Very recently. Really?
0: Okay, so tell <laughs> yeah. me about that. That's a whole new thing to do.
1: It is a whole new thing, and especially in the middle of a, you know, a pandemic. Yeah. So, um after um my residency, I spent 2 years practicing internal medicine and then went and did my fellowship after that and spent um three subsequent years finishing out my um, service in the military as a Navy physician. After that, I went into private practice for the next five and a half years or so um, as an employed physician in a multi-specialty group. And during, during 2020 um, was when I kind of made that decision, you know, you know, I need to kind of take a step forward in my career. And, and what ended up being the correct step for me was to open my own practice. So we just opened in January and we um, we actually just surpassed our first 90 days open. Um, so wow. it's, you know, brand new and, you know, working through a lot of the the kinks of, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, now it's not that I'm, you know, I've kind of overgrown the imposter syndrome in my field, but I sometimes have imposter syndrome now as a business owner Because there is just so many new things to learn about running a practice and, you know, all of the all of the business aspects of medicine that we never learned in medical school.
0: Right, exactly. So how have you taken the lessons that you've learned through your training and with the doubt there and and incorporated into the business side of things?
1: I think, you know, physicians in general are really good learners, you know, and so having that, you know, that growth mindset of, you know, this might be a new challenge, but, you know, I can learn this and I can overcome this um, has really set a good foundation for learning how to build a practice because, um, you know, there are a lot of things that I'm an expert in and there are a lot of things that I'm not an expert in. And so, you know, I've learned how to lean on people who know more, you know, about certain things than I do, like, you know, financial management and payroll and, you know, staffing and things like that. I mean, there are all these new challenges that I feel like I'm learning, you know, as a, as a brand new learner. So, you know, I try and lean on people who are kind of in my little circle or in my network who um, have more strengths in other areas than I do and try to really lean in and learn from them. And, and that helps a lot.
0: Yeah, I think that's it brings up a good point. In and out in and out of medicine, like you're not supposed to know everything. We're not and I think for some like physician, physicians I think at some point think that if they don't know everything that's in a textbook that they're not smart enough. I don't know how we learn that really, but there is a lot to be said for a team of experts in different things all coming to the table and that's where I think the best care comes from or the best business practices come from is the team approach when you're an expert in just one thing or a few things and allowing other people to be experts in other things, then it just works out better.
1: For sure. I mean, I think, right. It's like if you try and be an expert of everything, you end up to be an expert of nothing. You right. know? So lean on the people that, you know that you trust and learn from them and i think to be honest with you that's been my entire approach about opening a new practice or you know and it's a solo practice so you know for me as the business owner and the clinician there's a balance i'm trying to work out and still figure out how to you know how to do all of the things mm-hmm. but you know my approach to to where to begin is really to reach out to anybody i knew who was already doing it and and saying look tell me you know tell me what's working tell me what's not working you know, where do I start and, you know, what's the best advice you can give me and just really taking it from there. You know, the wheels already been turning. People have been in private practice since the beginning of time, it feels Mm -hmm. like. So, you know, it's an, it's not like, you know, just because it's brand new for me, it doesn't mean it's brand new, you know? So there's a lot of people to learn from. And I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of benefit in reaching out to others, whether it's, you know, within your own team or people who are doing similar things or people who are doing different things. I mean, there's just a lot of, a lot of you know, new things to learn and a lot of growth to be had.
0: Yeah. So in those moments in your life that you've had the the, the feeling of doubt or imposter syndrome, what have you done? Like, how have you done to, what have you done to continue moving forward despite, of it, despite it all?
1: <laughs> That's a good question. I don't know if I have a great answer. I mean, I think, you know, trying to, you know, have good relaxation techniques. Sometimes I, you know, take a long hot shower and try and just clear my mind of it and then you know try and refocus on you know my husband likes to say what's the closest alligator to the boat like you know deal deal with the most important thing first and don't let the other things weigh you down mm-hmm. um and um Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, it's funny, we have a a patient in our office who, um, you know, came in one time and she just was totally relaxed and super carefree. And we always like kind of talk about it, like, let's try and channel that, you Mm -hmm. know, like, how does she do that? Like, we need to kind of, you know, channel that, that laissez-faire, like, that's all good, you know, we can get it. And, um, and so sometimes I try to really, you know, just focus on, you know, Let's do one, one task at a time, let the rest of it go kind of, you know, and then get to it when, when the next step is ready.
0: Yeah. And I think there's a lot to be said with, with essentially what you did was you just do things anyway. Like you just, (laughs) you know, like you have the doubt and you're like, I wonder, I don't know. And then you just do it anyway. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. Just right you know, letting it be there and not letting it cripple you and just doing things despite that. Well,
1: Um, you know, they say that like 20% of new businesses fail in the first year and 50% mm -hmm. fail within the first five years. And like, to me, that's just, that's just not an option. Like that's not what we're doing here. So, you know, whatever it is that you have to do to make sure that, you know, your, your business is growing and you're thriving and you're able to care for more patients because of what you're able to, you know, what you're doing is able to propagate doing more good for them. You know, I think when you just kind of say like, you know, this is what we're doing and we have to do it, then -hmm. you just do it, you know, right. It's It's easy, but you got to.
0: It's true. And when you have that resolve, just like exactly like you said, like there isn't an option, this is going to happen, then there's never going to be failure because you've decided that no matter what, it's not going to fail. And it sounds simplistic, but really that's all it takes is just the decision that it's not going to fail or that you're not going to fail. It's the same Absolutely. thing.
1: Absolutely. And, and I think like making sure to recognize the difference between things not going right and failure that's not mm-hmm. always the same thing. So, things most of the time don't go right. 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 And so, there's a lot of, you know, I learned that one very, very quickly upon opening a new practice, and that you can try and plan things out to be perfect. It's not going to happen.
0: Mm-hmm. You know?
1: And so, you know, I think learning that that is part of the experience. And, you know, learning how to pivot and to kind of take that step back and say, okay, this didn't work, but how are we going to make it work now? Or how are we going to do things differently? Um, I think there's a lot of value there because somebody else could, could say, okay, well, this didn't work, so I failed mm-hmm. or the business failed. And, and I think that that's a showstopper for some people. So having that mindset of, you know, just kind of take a step back and then change direction, I think is is a, you know, a really nice learning lesson for me, which I had from the very, very beginning when nothing went right. And, you know, I quickly got over that, like, okay, this is just how it is. (laughs) Like, let's work with it.
0: Yeah. And that's such a strong characteristic to have that I think so many people can learn from Mm -hmm. is, you know, it really is about perspective and you're, you can find evidence for anything. Like you can find evidence that you're going to fail if that's what you want to find evidence for. But if you want to just if you've decided that this is going to work, then you find evidence that why this is good and why, what you can learn right. from it, and it's it really is. Um, it makes a huge difference, absolutely, in anything that you do, any goal you have.
1: It's really fun, you know having having designed a practice that really you know encompasses everything that I love about medicine and patient care, and mm-hmm. teases out all the stuff that I hated about you know being in practice that that I wasn't in charge of or that I wasn't running. It's it's really nice because, you know, through the years of, you know, battling through my own imposter syndrome, you know, as you said, one of the most valuable things that you can do is be a great listener. And, you know, as I listened to patients through all of those years, you know, I really could kind of tease out the things that the patients didn't like, or the things that were, you know, bothersome to them, or the, you know, those little thorns in the side that kind of left you with a little bit of a sour taste after an experience and and I just teased it out and it's it's so so good to be able to kind of you know really you know grow and believe in a practice that really is is practicing medicine you know the way that I've designed and the way that that brings me joy and and gives my patients answers that they need and it's it's such a cool thing it's it's a very very neat experience to be having
0: yeah so it sounds like you're your ultimate goal really was patient focused, and saying like, Absolutely. "I'm going to create this for." There's a need here, and does it matter? It's not about me. It's about giving the patients right. what they need.
1: Right. I mean, it can't be about me, right? As a physician, right. you know the the goal is to you know advance you know the well being and health of of people, and you know for me as an allergist immunologist, you know I I help patients, um, children and adults with allergies and recurrent infections to regain quality of life that they've been missing. And um, and I think that, you know, there's such a, a higher duty to be able to do that that, you know, it allows you to kind of like put imposter syndrome to the backseat a little bit, you know.
0: Yeah, it completely extingu- extinguishes it, I think. And it's really using the power, especially as physicians, like we're called into medicine because we have this heart of service. And if we if we use that and realize that that really is like, I think I've said it before, it's like the kryptonite to, to doubting yourself because right. when all you're focused on is like, how can I serve this patient right now? You don't care about what your, you know, second cousin on Facebook thinks about you anymore, right. you know, it exactly. just doesn't, it does not compare in any, in any way, shape or form.
1: Right. And I think also like as a physician, when there, there are things that we're not going to know. It happens to me all the time. Like there's something that somebody comes to see me for and I say, look, you know, I'm going to tell you, I really don't know the answer to this, but, but I'm always happy to go that extra length to learn it and to try and figure it out for them. You know, there's answers to everything, you know, we just have to kind of get there. Mm-hmm. And so if your patients know that and, you know, they don't have that expectation that you know everything in the textbook, you know, but they know that you're willing to, to put yourself out there and to find it for them. You know, that's where those connections are made with, with patients that are always going to be loyal to you and are always going to come to you for care because they know you're going to be able to deliver that, mm-hmm. whether you're an expert or not, you know? Yeah.
0: I love that you said that so much because it comes up very frequently with my clients and who just feel like mm-hmm. if they don't know every every question their patient ever asked them that they're not good enough doctor. And that's mm-hmm. just not the case. Patients don't really, in my experience, care if you know everything in a textbook, they want to know that you care about them, mm-hmm. that you're going to listen to them and believe the things that they say. Absolutely. And if you, I have to say, I don't know too, like, it's just, that's the nature of medicine. Like it's impossible to know everything. Absolutely. If you can just honesty and, and good listening skills as exactly like you said, that's good patient care and has nothing to do with the knowledge in our heads, really, for the most part, like beyond right. the fundamentals.
1: Right. Absolutely. Completely agree with you. Yeah.
0: So what's been the most, you've mentioned a lot of fun things, but what's been the most (laughs) fun thing with this transition in your life?
1: Um, You know, I think, you know, I've always wanted to have a practice in the community where I live. So Mm -hmm. my new, my new office is in my town. So I get to serve my local community, which just brings me a tremendous amount of joy. So, you know, um, gosh, I love, you know, I was walking around the baseball field and, you know, so many people will come up to me and they'll say, you know, oh, you know, such and such is a son who's, you know, has terrible swollen eyes and we really need, you know, he need they need to bring him in to see you. And then I'll walk, you know, walk down the, to the next field and they'll say, oh, I just booked an appointment. You know, and it's mm-hmm. cool. Like, you know, it's cool to be a community person, a community helper. You know, there's yeah. so many helpers in our community, whether it's, you know, our Police department, our fire department—you know all the people that we think about as helpers. But you know, to be a doctor who lives somewhere and works somewhere else, I always kind of felt a little bit detached. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, having a short commute and and now I'm serving the community where I live and where my children are being raised is—it's um, very heartwarming to me. So I really enjoy that. It's really that's, that's great.
0: So, how has it been? Like, have you had any issues with advertising yourself or like putting yourself out there? Like, has that felt odd for you at all?
1: Um, I think putting yourself out there is always, you know, a little, a little odd at the beginning. But you know, I, I kind of describe myself a little bit as an ambivert. So you know, I think I used to be very extroverted when I was young, and I've gotten a little more introverted as I've gotten older. Um, but I kind of really started to ease into it and just kind of gradually start putting myself out there, mostly through social media. So um, that's kind of helped to sort of, you know, gain a little bit of a following, you know, locally in different community groups that I, you know, I participate in. But, you know, even around town, like, you know, I'll, you know, have my business sponsorship for, you know, local charity events, or, you know, I have a sponsorship for the Little League or whatever it is. And so, you know, just little things like that, you know, people are starting to now know that I'm around and know that my practice is here. And, you know, I like to do speaking engagements for the local moms group and stuff like that. So, you know, it, it helps me to um, kind of put myself out there to, um, to also be a resource for people um, and to help you know, help local people to find you know, the care that they need. And I think that there was a gap um, here. And so I'm glad to be able to kind of open my doors and fill a void where, where there was a lot of need for, for individuals for allergy and immunology care, so.
0: Well, that's incredible. Your community is so lucky to have you. Thank where you. can people find you if they want to talk to you about opening a private practice or <laughs> all the things that you've done? Where can they reach out?
1: Um, the best place to find me is probably on social media at um, Facebook um, at Kaufman Allergy and on Instagram at Dr. Kaufman Allergy. Um, And my website is KauffmanAllergy.com, where you can learn a little bit about my practice. We're located um, in Vienna, Virginia, which is right in the um, Washington, D.C. suburb. Awesome. Great. Great. Thank you so much for your time. It's been great chatting with you. Thank you so much.